Hey there. Before we get started, I just want to let you guys know there is a new way for you to interact with us. Of course, there's always a Facebook group, but we'd love to hear your voice. So you could call us, leave us a voicemail at 469-249-0425. That's 469-249-0425. Or take a look at findingmikeypodcast.com. I've got a link there to show you where the number is also, but we would love to hear what you have to say, whether it's a suggestion, a question, encouragement, it's all cool. So with that cool announcement out of the way, just really want to launch into this one. So if any of you know me or Heather, you know that medication is probably the last thing on our list for dang near anything. But spoiler alert, we're going to share with you our story and kind of our journey of really realizing that it is a valuable tool. Hey friends, this is the Finding Mikey podcast, our family's quest to prepare our son Mikey for life. I'm Mike and from time to time I'll be joined by my wife Heather or other family members and others for interviews and conversations. Now while I may mention our son, you have a Mikey of your own and together we're on a journey to learn as much as we can so that we can understand how to best communicate and guide our kiddos into independent adulthood. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, so as you guys know, Mikey has high-functioning autism, and he also has ADHD. And if there was such a thing as severe ADHD, I would say he has that. (laughs) I have him on a good supplement routine and a whole foods diet, dairy-free, gluten-free, dye-free. And while we saw improvement with this, he was still really struggling. We did therapies to help him detox. We've done the ion foot bath. And we've done therapies that help his brain, like neurofeedback. And again, with every therapy we tried, we did see improvements, but he was really struggling. I always like to treat Mikey very with like natural remedies. And it was just something I was passionate about, learning like what causes the symptoms of ADHD and, you know, autism and, you know, what is the root cause and like, how can I help him and stuff like that. And I surrounded myself with a community of like-minded people to learn that from. And none of these people would agree with resorting to medication, but I really wanted to see, you know, like how it would help him if we did. So in the beginning, when Mikey was first diagnosed with autism, I didn't really know that much about autism. So I started doing a lot of research on like how to treat it and everything And then even though I knew he got, you know, he has ADHD and he got that diagnosis earlier when he was three, I wasn't really like that surprised by the ADHD diagnosis because he was such a difficult toddler and preschooler. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we can manage his ADHD with, you know, like discipline and behavior modification, structure, structure, you know, movement breaks and things like that. So I wasn't really focusing that much on the ADHD aspect of his diagnosis. Well, no, and of the two of them that were like presented to us, like autism, I mean, it's a bigger word, right? So it's a bigger problem, right? ADHD, just four letters, autism, (laughs) more than four, right? So a bigger problem and probably something that was like, all right, well, we can, let's get that stuff because let's, let's try to tackle that first because it, it presents a bigger challenge maybe. I don't know. I think when you're kind of weighing the both, you're right. You could get overwhelmed easily just with one, right? Right. So why not pick the the bigger of the two, I guess. But that that wasn't anything we sat down and 
like said, you know, let's worry about that later. It was just, I think it was just kind of a byproduct of like, wow, autism. Okay. Now what? Yeah. Right. And then also too, I didn't think that, you know, medication during the time, you know, that Mikey was diagnosed, you know, he was three. I would never, you know, medicate a three-year-old. That just, I just feel like we need to keep him active and, you know, supervised and make sure that he stays safe and things like that. And then, you know, he got into the school age years and, you know, he needs to learn. And when, you know, he was in kindergarten, that's when we were in Texas and he was in the ABA school. Then we moved to Virginia and we got his first IEP. And when we were doing the IEP process, he was at the end of kindergarten about to go into first grade. And the results of the IEP were that he was going to be in a self-contained autism classroom. So that means that there's a degree, you know, special education teacher, and then three paraprofessionals, well, two or three paraprofessionals, depending on the ratio of kids. So in Mikey's classroom, there were eight kids in his classroom. There was a whole area of, you know, like sensory toys and a sensory area where he can jump on a trampoline, put on a weighted blanket, put on a, you know, something for compression. And there was a teacher and two paraprofessionals that had sped experience. Special, yeah, special education experience. Yeah, we're not sure if you've gone through like the IEP (laughs) process or you're dealing with this in school yet, but yeah, those are acronyms that if ever she springs them up, I want to make sure we (laughs) we know an individual education plan, an IEP, which we can go over in another podcast because I really want to do a podcast about how his IEP was developed for sure. So, point is, is that there were three to one, right? It wasn't right, one or excuse me, three to eight, three to eight, yeah, (laughs) sorry, yeah, three. three to eight. Instead of like 30 to one, which was like a typical kind of classroom setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in first grade, again, he wasn't on medication for ADHD in first grade. He was super impulsive, had a hard time sitting down for long, had to take a lot of breaks. He was only able to do like 15 to 20 minutes of academic work before he needed another break. Right. But his impulse control still at that point was, I mean, there was still a fair amount of fleeing that we were concerned with. Yes. Yes. At that that. school, because of the ratios and because they had him on like a structured program and he was in a classroom where they, they dealt with that on a daily basis. Like he didn't do as much eloping. (laughs) Yeah. eloping. That's That's another, another technical word. He didn't do as much eloping. you know, at that school. And also it was something they really focused on at the ABA school too. Right. But Mikey at that age, he had to be reminded to walk places. He will run anywhere. He will run in a parking lot. He will run to the classroom. And so, you know, that was just part of his, you know, his drive. And so it was probably the summer before second grade. And we decided to go ahead and try medication. And I wanted him to try it during the summer because I was nervous about the side effects And I wanted to see what side effects he would have. Um, So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have you start medication at home before, you know, I send you to school on medication and then your teacher's really going to see it, not me. And yeah, this is where a lot of apprehension Mm -hmm. came. I mean, I think we both were like tiptoeing toward it and just still nervous and didn't know what to expect. Didn't really feel like, you know, we knew what was ahead of us, right? We didn't know if, if things could improve and if so, how and really, I mean, I've tested stuff on myself. Like I've tried, you know, certain things and we've seen, you know, how we could sort of do science experiments with our own body, like whether it's to get stronger or to lose weight or get in better shape. Right. But we were experimenting with Mikey now in a way. Right. Mm -hmm. But we felt all right because we've already changed his diet, you know, gluten-free tree nut free, which was great because before we found out he was diagnosed with uh, tree nut allergies is like his breakfast was almond butter on mm-hmm. toast and almond milk, right? 
Thank God he wasn't anaphylactic. To, yeah, to almonds. To right. almonds. So, but this just represented something else because I think my initial, my fears were, how do we cycle off of it? Mm-hmm. Right. What happens if we see something that we don't like, or he's feeling something that he doesn't like, what is the repercussion of like coming off of, in our case, a stimulant, in most cases, a stimulant, right? What is, what is that going to do? So anyway, mm-hmm. I just wanted to interject while you flip yeah. the pages. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so when we had the first discussion with the pediatrician, you know, one of the important things with Mikey is that, you know, he was able to swallow capsules already. Right. He was almost eight at the time. And given five milligrams of Adderall extended release. Which by the way, like I think the standard is what? 10 usually. 10, right? Yeah. I didn't know if five was a lot. I didn't know if 10 was a lot. Right. I didn't know like what is a grown man like me? What would they give a muskox, right? <laughs> but, and then like, is this the least we can get? Because mm-hmm. I'm personally a fan of like the minimum effective dosage as mm-hmm. well. And I was anxious. Mm-hmm. I was. Yeah, me too. Me too. So we got five milligrams to start out with. And originally the pediatrician was saying 10 and I'm like, well, is there anything lower that we can start (laughs) with? Because, you know, I was already apprehensive about it at first. And she said, yes, you know, we can start him with five. And so I was like, okay, great. So he was able to get a capsule. There's different stimulant medications out there. And some of them do come in like a, you know, like a liquid or a powder or something that you can mix into applesauce if your child isn't swallowing capsules yet. But, you know, the side effect for Mikey on the, the five milligrams. The key is to mix the powder into applesauce. It's no other way to take it in. I'm sorry. I was thinking powder. I'm dealing with adults. I'm like, don't snort it. All right. Don't have oh your kids. Oh, my gosh, Mike. <laughs> Seriously. Come on now. Anyway. We're not dealing. We're talking. We're, our adult listeners are listening for their children. Sorry. My bad. This is the mother side of me. I'm <laughs> like, oh, stop. People were not even thinking that. My bad. Anyway. So the side effects that Mikey had on the five milligrams were, you know, your typical, you know, a little bit of appetite suppressant, but not much. But I just remembered the day that I gave it to him the first time, you know, pushing him through the grocery store. And I'm like, so Mikey, how are you feeling? He goes, you know what, mom? He's like, I feel nervous. And my tummy feels like it has butterflies, but I don't know why I'm nervous. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's not so bad. Because, you know, there were some side effects on the, you know, medication pamphlet that I was a little nervous about. One of them was ticks and I don't know, there was a couple other ones. Can't remember what it was now, but definitely the ticks, you know, made me a little bit nervous, but yeah, he wasn't having any horrible side effects. And, you know, I did notice pretty quickly that, you know, there were some behavior changes. He was a nicer brother. Seriously. It was almost like the melatonin, the night we gave him melatonin. Right. And he slept slept for the, like fell asleep for the first time. And yeah, yeah, like the first time we gave him melatonin, sorry, this is like a, we're like, you know, changing the subject here for a second, but it was just awesome because the first time we gave him melatonin, he fell asleep, <laughs> like without a bunch of drama. And it was like, oh my gosh, I didn't emotional. even know this stuff existed. <laughs> it was emotional. I cried and then I was able to put his sister to bed, you know, his infant sister. I was able to put her to bed and actually give her like a nice nighttime routine ever since we found melatonin. So it was pretty good. Yeah. So then on, it was a lot like that. It was just like, okay, about an hour later. Yeah. He was a nicer brother. Right. Uh But I think you could be like, Hey Mikey, he'd be like, yep. And then we'd be like, you want to do this? Sure. Mm -hmm. He was more compliant. There was no like, Hey buddy, you know how you give choices that really aren't choices. Hey, you can either take out the trash or you can go to bed for the rest of your life. Like those are the choices that, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't really have choices on. It was just like, Hey bud, you want to grab the trash and take it out? Sure. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. Uh Uh-huh. It was high fives and was like, okay, 
but still, did we overdo it? Did we give him too much, you know? Right. Anyway. Right. It was pretty darn immediate. And he was also making safer choices. Big time. When we would walk in the parking lot, I would still prompt him, okay, you're going to walk by my side. We walked to the car. And then I just noticed that the the prompting became less and less. Yep. And he was just, you could just see his overall like his nervous system was calmer. When he talked yeah. to me, it didn't seem like there was like this motor running behind his eyes. Yeah. Like he was talking to me and his his body was calm while he was talking to me. And it wasn't right away, but like for a long time, I've been like, hey, Mikey, look, try to look at me while I'm talking to you. And I, I would, at first, like, I was like, all right, I want to, I want you to pay attention for a minute. Now, then it was in like, all right, I just want you to pay, I just want you to make eye contact so I can just see your pretty eyes, right? Then here, he's like locked on you. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. I got you. Yeah, I can do that. And I mean, was very intentional. It was really eye opening mm-hmm. too because we we learned he knew what the heck he was doing. Right? He wasn't just kind of revved up the right. whole time. I mean, he was revved up the whole time, but like he he knew what he was doing. He knew how to be safe. He knew how to accomplish tasks. He could get himself fully dressed, kind of from you know beginning to end, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So right. I think that was. Those were good first signs. Mm -hmm. Right. Now at home, I don't have that many demands on him. A little bit of chores here and there. Brushing your teeth is always, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like a a hurdle for us. So I was really curious to see how he was going to do once he transitioned to school. And that was where it was just like, oh, wow. So because he was in this self-contained autism classroom, one of the beauties of that is that he also did it the whole year for second grade. And his teacher at meet the teacher night, you know, he had the same teacher for second grade that he had for first grade, which was awesome for Mikey. And like, you know, like a lot of spectrum kids, the less change they have in the school system, the better. So he had the same teacher and assistants for, you know, his second grade year. And I let her know at the meet the teacher night that he was on medication now, just a small dose. And we were just trying it out to see how it was going to go. And she was like, okay. She let me know like the first week of school that she thought that Mikey was like night and day different. Right. I'm going to get choked up. I I know. I know. I was going to, I was about to go there too. Oh my gosh. She was like, Heather, she's like, he's teachable this year. She's like, we're actually going to be able to get more academic work done this year because last year it was more about behavior management and how to be a good citizen in the classroom. And there were a lot of sensory breaks last year for emotional regulation. And she was just like, Heather, like he's engaging in lessons. Like he's sitting with me, he's reading with me, he's doing his math worksheets. He's working on work that I give him at his desk by himself after I give him the lesson. She's like, this is huge. So then I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. But but like it really hit me, you know, right in the heart when, you know, she said, we're looking at like full inclusion, like Uh soon kind of a thing. It's like, I I didn't think we'd hear the word inclusion, let alone full inclusion. Uh That's definitely, as the school year progressed, he got more and more time in the general education setting. In first grade, I think he might've gone to PE within the general education setting and lunch in the general education setting. But in second grade, he went to art and PE and science and math in the general education setting. And at first he went with his aide to help with emotional regulation and classroom citizenship and how to be, you know, a good participant in the classroom, you know, and to work on social skills. And as the school year went on, his IEP was 
getting amended where he was now going to the general education classroom by himself. On his own. Yeah, without an like aide. big boy. You right? Know? That was pretty the good. The aide would walk him there, you know, for his safety. And then, you know, the teacher would take him in and he would spend like all of math and all of science, you know, with another second grade classroom. And by the end of second grade, his IEP was amended again to say that for third grade, he would be full inclusion. That was huge. That was, that was a yeah, tear that was emotional. That was emotional. Yeah. yeah. Because that's where kids are going to learn from their peers that, you know, the good and the bad, that's really where they're going to learn from their neurotypical peers on, you know, different things about life and different things about, you know, the classroom experience. So the least restrictive environment, I guess that, you know, that's what they call it. The least restrictive environment. But before that he wasn't ready for it because his impulsivity and in his emotional regulation would just, you know, he needed help regulating himself and following directions. He wasn't able to stay, you know, in an environment where there was a lot of kids and, and noise and movement. So it was just so awesome. Do you remember when he was, so this was after he had, had begun being medicated, right? So this was getting into second grade. There was this phrase I never heard him say before, but he started asking periodically, be like, we'd correct him. He'd be like, oh, was that rude? Oh yeah. You know, so he was becoming like he was starting to apply rules and starting to be more self-realizing about his behavior, which was mm-hmm. was really really cool too. Now, he doesn't ask that as much anymore. I think he's just being a regular, you know, <laughs> <laughs> more of a regular kind of a brother and and kind of a kid. So, yeah, he's taking calculated risks these days. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't care if it's rude. That was that was fine. I'm yeah. on the risk. <laughs> well, just one other last thing I wanted to add in regards to, you know, the change, all the change that happened that academic school year is just that the only thing different that we did that year when he was in second grade was the medication. His diet was the same. We still kept him on the whole foods diet. Not like we shopped only at Whole Foods, but it was Whole Food. So. <laughs> yeah, the Whole Foods diet. You know, you know, we stay <laughs> like it's a Whole Food diet, not the Whole, whole Foods food diet. diet. A Whole Food diet, like the Whole Thirty kind of thing. There you you go, know, a Whole Food, right? Where it's like less processed sugar and no food dye and things like that. We he would get Kona Ice, and he would go up to the Kona Ice truck, which is this really cool, you know, shaved ice, you know, company, and he would say. Which flavors have no food dye? Because I want a snow cone. That's right. And then the people in line, they would be like, oh, there's ones with no food dye. And I was like, yeah, the pina colada and there the lime. Go. There you go. <laughs> so it was it was good. I think, I think it's awesome because he was adapting it and internalizing his diet to where it was like, yeah, you can have kind of ice. You just can't get Whatever tiger's you want. blood yeah, exactly. or blue raspberry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not for you. <laughs> it really does. There is research that really does make kids aggressive and you know irritable and things like that. So I'm like, yeah, you definitely don't need that. True, and I think we've seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh also, yeah. Also, you know, it's pretty. He's he's reactive to things like you are, not mm-hmm. like I am. Like he's reactive to stuff like like you. Yeah. Um, which is which is good when you're trying to figure stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. So. Speaking of reactive, then what are some of the side effects that like you've seen? Yeah, over so time? now, okay, know. so he started going on medication when he was almost eight and he's 11 now. Actually, let me rephrase that. I mean, what? would you consider these to be like side effects? Because, well, yeah, I guess they're just sort of the, the results of the one result is that he is more engaged. He does pay more attention. He is more focused. He can have like he's, he's got a better, you know, regulator or filter mm-hmm. employed, but it came with some costs. And mm-hmm. like, these were some of them, like right. his weight, right? Right. Yeah. So when you're on medication and your body is changing 
and your body's getting used to the medication, a lot of times the medication dosage do have to change. So even though we started him at five milligrams and things were going great with that, the teacher started letting me know he's being less compliant. You know, I offered him snacks, made sure, you know, he's not hungry. But when we kept seeing it over and over again, that she was saying that he's not as compliant, he's being more impulsive, he's not cooperating, you know, things like that, needing more breaks. So I went back to the pediatrician. They were like, okay, you know, five is pretty low. Let's go ahead and move him up to 10. And so we did. And at this time, you know, he was still on melatonin to help him fall asleep. But because we increased his dosage on Adderall, he had an even more difficult time falling asleep. Even though it was like out of his system by the time he went to sleep, it was still doing something in his body that it was making it harder for him to fall asleep. So we had to increase his melatonin. And his pediatrician was okay with that. But also, you know, he did have a more decreased appetite for lunch. The teacher actually had to like remind him to eat and prompt him to eat. I wish I had that problem. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So I would go have lunch with him like every Thursday at his elementary school in, in Virginia. It was pretty fun. And I remember like sitting with him and he would be sitting there talking to his friends and I would have to prompt him to, you know, open his lunch pail and pull his food out. And, you know, what are you going to eat first? And, you know, he would eat all of his food, but it would definitely, you know, it would definitely take some prompting. Yeah. If you could have fed it to him, I think Mm -hmm. that would have been been better. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So that's for sure. Yeah. And then the other thing was, you know, his BMI. I I forgot. Body mass mass index. Indicator. Indicator or whatever, the index. So Mikey's always been like a featherweight. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, tall and skinny. Bantam, but what the doctor wanted to make sure is that he stayed on his own growth curve and, and weight gain curve. So he has always been in the, like the 10th percentile or under when it came to weight. And then like the 70th or 90th for height. And so we needed to always keep an eye on, make sure he wasn't going like below the five percentile, because then we would have to do something different with the stimulant medication. So basically, just wanted to like recap. I'm just thinking of the stuff we started giving him more right. dense food. We started making sure that he had, yeah, you know, like, like all dude, of his carbs. foods were, you know, like very planned out. So his, they were, yeah, his lunches would be very like calorie dense, no Correct. like wasted food on Cheetos or anything like no, that. No, not at all. Just so, good uh, breads, lots of avocado actually as well. And just, yeah, things that would just try to help thicken him up. And now he's, I mean, he's, He's still a slender guy. I mean, he's healthy as can be. He's just, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to show every darn muscle on his body because <laughs> he's he doesn't have a lot of body fat. Right, right. And so when we moved back to Texas from Virginia, we got a new neurologist and the pediatrician that we have, sorry, this is probably TMI, but the pediatrician that we have didn't want to monitor his ADHD medication. So we had to get a neurologist. And so the neurologist that we have has been monitoring his BMI and we wanted to go up again on the Adderall, but we couldn't because it was affecting his appetite too much. And so there was this other route that we tried, which was really interesting and it's working great for him now. And it's basically using a non-stimulant called Intuniv along with a lower dose of Adderall. And so what this combination does is it stimulates appetite so that he's, you know, his appetite is better and he doesn't have to think about it as much. And also because the, you know, of the side effects of Intuniv, he doesn't have to take melatonin anymore to help him fall asleep because that's one of the side effects of Intuniv is that, you know, it lowers your blood pressure and does something to affect appetite and sleep. 
don't know how much other else to explain <laughs> that, but it's really cool that we went from taking a higher dose of melatonin to now not having to take it at all. So that was, that was pretty cool. Right. So before we end on this here too, like there've been times when you've just, we've been like, okay, oops, we forgot to actually refill the prescription. So we're a day away or two days Mm -hmm. away, or we've been like, well, we're going away on vacation right now. Let's try to cycle them off and really do no, that. No, not cycle them off. Well, not cycle them no, off. But you know what I mean? We can't do that. <laughs> you know but what I mean? It's just like... We have to figure out how to get the prescription before we leave state because you can't get a refill of Adderall when you go to a different state. No, that's a fact. <laughs> so, keep that in mind. If you're going to yeah. travel, it's a you know it's a controlled substance, so they won't just transfer it to a CVS near you at you all. You got to make sure you have enough for while you're out of town. And I don't know. Our prescriptions are always for 30 days. I don't know if it's possible to change stuff like that, but... That's something you always have to keep in mind. And then the Intuniv, that's not a controlled substance. So you can get like a 90-day prescription for that or refills or whatever. And that can be filled in different states. But we did run into a situation one time. And luckily it was with the Adderall where we were at a state in our RV and we could not get a refill until we were back in Texas. That was fun because you're in an RV. Uh-huh. You know, 400 square feet. Or when the slides are in, it's like 200 square feet. And, right. you know, you might have someone who's a little little less compliant than they normally would be, and they don't know why they're irritable. So mm-hmm. there were hugs. Yeah. There were long conversations. Right. So that was all right. Yeah. Well, okay. So there was something that I really wanted to say that is important to me, and that is that medication is a decision that families might make at some time on their journey. And this is our journey. Like we are not saying that medication is going to be for your child or that it's going to work for you or that there's nothing out there that can help that is not medication. I'm always going to be looking for the next best therapy that will help Mikey reduce his medication or not need it. I'm still not 100% that I want him on it forever. I'm not. I definitely don't. Um, But I'm thankful that it's working for right now and that there is a lot of research because kids have been taking this kind of medication for so long that it's not that harmful for them. But because I'm just of the mentality of, I want his body to not need it, that I'm always going to be looking for something that's going to help him so that he can not have to be on it forever. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, really, you know, I'm going to say what she said. The choice is yours. This is what happened with us and where we are today. It's a very valuable tool. I mean, maybe I'm overplaying it a little there, but I mean, just to have this as a part of our regimen, mm-hmm. have it a part of our schedule, have it a part of what it is that we have for his treatment really helps out because I think he would have missed out on opportunity to learn and mm-hmm. definitely on opportunity to participate because of just his behavior. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't really, you know, come full circle with, you know, when we moved from second grade to third grade, we moved from Virginia back to Texas. And he's currently going to a public Montessori school and there's not that many public Montessori schools. So it's actually pretty cool, but he was able to transition into third grade, fourth grade and fifth grade, full inclusion in this Montessori program. He's getting his special education pullouts for social skills and, you know, some academic help for reading and all that kind of stuff. But he is at school every day and he's hanging in there with yep. the rest and I, of them. And I, I'll, <laughs> I'll say this though too. So I think there's an extra challenge for him being mm-hmm. in a Montessori too, because it's not just kids that are in grade four or five. It's mm-hmm. they, they bridge together and call them a community. So he's mm-hmm. there with kids that are younger than him sometimes and mm-hmm. kids that are older than him too. And he'll stay in that same community. So being able to have the social interaction with people that are older, 
super helpful. Mm -hmm. And then the people that are younger, just the same, but a little bit different, right? He has an opportunity to be a leader to Mm -hmm. the younger kids, maybe even to some of the older ones, but he also has the challenge of he's going to be with older kids much sooner Mm -hmm. potentially than if he were to be, you know, heading off into like middle school or, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing too. So, so far so well. Right. Still doing really good. Still a character, still a contributor, still someone that people look forward to seeing at school because of his bright and sunny disposition. Yes. And we're fortunate that he has the ability to thrive. And the dogs <laughs> now want to say hi. So I think that's good. What else do you want to add before we go? Actually, that was my wrap up. Perfect. I think so. we're done. Guys, look, we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you have a great day. Hope the video works. Please let us know what you think. And we look forward to chatting with you again later. Take care.